Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Seedmasters, Nova Series 2. No clever message, just simple, no-nonsense precision. Learn more about the features at seedmaster.ca. And also brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock, for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. Today we take a look at harvest results in southwest Saskatchewan. We chat with the crop extension specialist in Swift Current, Shannon Chant. We also have a look at the grain shipping program at the northern Manitoba port of Churchill. We have more harvest information from Lanigan, about 175 kilometers north of Regina. Farmers in eastern Canada are calling on the Trudeau government to provide more farm support, pointing to U.S. farm subsidies in the billions of dollars. Real Agriculture looks at the wild boar population in Saskatchewan. We have a feature on an outbreak of Potomac horse fever in Alberta. And we have an update on cattle markets this past week. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. Come. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Olympic Buildings. See them for ag buildings, riding arenas, hay barns and more. Build with confidence. Olympic-buildings.ca Harvest is almost complete in southwest Saskatchewan. Shannon Chant is the crop extension specialist in Swift Current. She says most farmers have finished combining the 2020 crop. Pretty much there's a few kind of areas that are people are going to kind of go back and clean up kind of. But most of it, for the most part, harvest is, is wrapped up. How do you describe production this year in the southwest? I think variable would be kind of the first thing I think of. Um, I know there was some crops that didn't maybe fill as well as people had hoped just because in a lot of areas there hadn't been a significant rain since kind of late July, early August. So that did hurt uh, kind of when heads were filling for cereals, for example. Overall, are you expecting then production to be about average or above or below? Um, if I had to, I haven't heard numbers, so it's a bit hard to tell. And I have heard that even fields close together have been a fair bit different. Um, if I had to put a number on it, probably uh, average to below average, depending on the field. So it was a tough growing season this year? Yeah, especially the last part. It seemed to kind of just dry up um, at the at the end of the year. I know we hadn't had significant rain for quite a while. And then even the areas that did get some rain in the last week or so, it was fairly variable across the region too, everywhere from four tenths to an inch and a half, depending on where you were. Describe the growing season for me. You talked about it being very dry. Is that kind of abnormal for the Southwest? Because it's usually dry in your corner of the province. Usually dry, um, but I think it's in the last little while, it's been more extended periods of, of dryness. Um, like sometimes you'll go a few weeks um, without a lot of precipitation, but I think it, it's a bit different in that it was kind of a whole 
a fair amount of time, like even a month or five or six weeks. So, but it is generally drier in the southwest. Has there been much uh, fall rye and winter wheat planted in the southwest? There has been some. Um, I have seen a little bit of information on some that's just coming out or just germinating, so that could be a problem uh, because there hasn't been as much. Seeds can kind of sit in the ground until they get some moisture, so hopefully we get some rain or people that did get some rain, those winter cereals get going. Do you think farmers will change seeding intentions for next spring very much? And that was a really variable question. I know there's a lot of people that just kind of stick to crop rotation. Um, I think one thing to definitely consider for next year, because it has been drier, um, if you put anything on kind of as a pre-harvest product or a post-harvest product, I think we're going to have to be very careful with residuals for herbicides because a lot of that is kind of microbial breakdown. And when it's cooler, kind of after mid-September, until the spring, there really isn't a lot of herbicide breakdown, so that could be something that may be an issue in the spring just to watch out for. One thing I did hear this harvest was a lot of combine fires. There were several in the southwest, weren't there? Yes, I heard of a few, definitely, because and we had this story because of the hot conditions and kind of the, the lack of rain, so some crops were coming off in really hot conditions, or some guys even were taking breaks in the middle of the day just to avoid that. But I know definitely people are having their water tanks with them and just just trying to be careful. There is one example I saw where someone had three fires in one day. So definitely a risk. Shannon Chant is the crop extension specialist in Swift Current. Four vessels are expected to load durum and lentils at the port of Churchill this fall. That from Murad El-Khatib of the Arctic Gateway Group, which owns the port and rail line. El-Khatib is also Chief Executive Officer of AGT Foods of Regina, one of the Arctic Gateway Group's major partners. Last year, four ships moved 137,000 metric tons of durum and lentils through Churchill. Al-Khatib says work is still being carried out to stabilize the track bed. He also remains optimistic that Churchill will soon be able to get back into the 8-10 to 10 vessel range per year. Friday. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Selford Group. Call your Selford equipment dealer or visit selfordgroup.com. And the Canadian Canola Growers Association, helping farmers succeed. Visit ccga.ca to learn more. Some farmers in northern and central areas will have some crop left out heading into October, but it's going to be a much lower acreage than the past couple years. Clinton Monchuk and his family were combining the final 135 acres of canola on their Lanigan area farm yesterday. Lanigan is about 175 kilometers north of Regina. Like many others, he's calling it an average crop. We've had some fields that I'm shaking my head and then don't understand why they didn't yield as good as what they could have. Some are a little bit better than what we expected, but if I could draw an average across our farm, it would be roughly average for our area and our farm. The Munchucks planted some fall rye for the first time on their farm earlier this month. It's coming up nicely. It looks like the soil moisture is adequate right now for our area. Granted, though, we had quite a bit of rain in June here in this area and, in fact, some flooding. So uh, I think we're definitely okay right now for soil moisture, but I think some areas definitely could use a, a good half inch to an inch before things freeze up. Munchuck is also the executive director of Farm and Food Care Saskatchewan. He talks about some of his interactions with other producers, either by phone or on social media. 
there's been a lot of discussion around mental health in, in the agriculture community, and I tell you, one of those big things is to, you know, not have the stress of of a crop that has snow on it or excessive rain, and uh, to get the crop in the bin and uh, have that out of the way with before we have Thanksgiving for us is. Uh, truly a blessing. So we're we're very thankful that we have it just about completed now, and and majority of our neighbors are in the same boat. So it's it's good to see, and it just it really picks up the discussion a little bit more positive as well going into uh, the the fall season. We'll get an update number on provincial harvest progress tomorrow when the Saskatchewan Agriculture Weekly Crop Report is released. U.S. government grain subsidies are the focus of a new ad campaign launched this week by farm organizations in eastern Canada. The Grain Farms of Ontario, the Atlantic Grains Council, and Producteur de Grains de Quebec say the federal government must help level the playing field. This is an excerpt from their ad. Our Canadian farms cannot compete with American farmers when Trump is giving them $32 billion this year. We need the Trudeau government to support our Canadian farmers now, like it did for the steel and aluminum industry. A message from the Grain Farmers of Quebec, Ontario, and the Atlantic Grains Council. The Grain Farmers of Ontario began its public awareness campaign earlier this year. This is the first joint effort between the three eastern producer organizations. The Grains Group are not asking for an ad hoc direct payment to farmers, but calling on the federal government to provide more funding for agri-stability. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio, joined right now by Dr. Ryan Brook from the University of Saskatchewan. Like I said, this is a, a very, very important topic, and we're hearing more and more about it. Uh, I know that when we first met probably, oh, maybe four years ago, there was maybe a a real lack of attention being paid to what's going on with wild pig populations. Talk about your research at U of S. Give us kind of a a broad understanding of some of the stuff you're doing there. Well, we started uh, a little over 10 years ago when I came to University of Saskatchewan to start this crazy job at at the university said, well, what am I going to do for the rest of my career? And one of the things that came high on the list was these wild pigs were becoming more and more of a notion in 2010. And so over the last 10 years, we've been started to look at, are they even out there? That was the early days. People said, well, we don't have wild pigs. They, they're just escapes. They're not going to survive the winter. So early days, we were just showing that they actually existed. And then people say, well, they're out there, but they're not reproducing. So we had to show evidence of reproduction. And then through a collaboration with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, things really changed in 2004, 2005. They started funding our research. We were just – we just never have ever been able to really generate uh, any interest in research on wild pigs in Canada. It's just never been a, a priority or an interest. Uh, and so – but the USDA stepped up and said, okay, we're going to give you about a million – a little over a million dollars worth of cash and GPS collars and a bunch of other supports – and uh, we went out and started collaring wild pigs. We put out extensive uh, trail camera networks. 
my PhD student Ruth has spent, you know, four years of her life out talking to producers and knocking on doors and phoning people, uh, developing this national scale map of pigs. So we've been we developed a map and now we're updating this map, basically tracking this exponential spread of wild pigs across the landscape at about a little over 80,000 square kilometers per year. So we're really putting numbers to the distribution and showing this unbelievably rapid expansion that none of us ever expected at all. Yeah, and when I write a story on this topic, I'm always not sure if we should say wild pig, wild boar, feral pig. Like, how, how are we supposed to, to phrase it? You know, at the end of the day, I'm not too hung up. I think we, everybody knows what we're talking about when we say any of those things. Um, in Europe, where they came from, uh, they're called wild boar, but they're native there. When they were brought over to Canada, pretty much everything was crossbred with domestic pigs. So we very unlikely have few, if any, true uh, domestic wild boar in Canada. Most of the animals you'll see inside a fence and indeed outside on the landscape are a mix of wild boar and domestic pig. And interestingly, just in the last few years, we've seen more and more sightings of, of uh, pot-bellied pigs out on the landscape as well. <laughs> and so there's a whole bunch of genetics out on the landscape. And so wild pig is a good generic term that we use, certainly in our writing and our communication, to say that's everything. That includes if there happen to be truly any actual wild boar on the landscape, which would be rare, and the majority of these wild boar domestic pig hybrids, and in fact, there are some, amazingly, some herds of domestic pig, like a Yorkshire pig with no wild boar whatsoever, still free-ranging populations out there. They've, yeah. they've become feralized as well. So it's a, it's a bit of a mixed bag, to say the least. What I find interesting is that provincially and federally, there's not a lot of interest in this topic. Um, I thought maybe that would change with ASF, but USDA is funding a lot of the research in, that's being that's being done in your program. Uh, wh why the lack of attention? Now it's a good question. I, I think I'd like to hope that will change at some point, uh, but certainly I don't know why. To be honest, it's been a bit of a bizarrity. And when the U.S. started, my conversation with them is, you know, this is great to get me kickstarted, and once we get going and we get some of these results. I think everybody's going to see how important this is and really want to be part of it. But we just haven't seen that interest yet. Um, you know, it's one of those things that's easy to ignore. These things are also nocturnal. I think if they were more visible and out there in the landscape, people would be much more concerned. But so many people across Canada have two, three, four, fifteen living in and around their farm, but they don't even know it because they're often nocturnal. They're highly elusive. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Raymore, Yorkton, and Wantress, New Holland. Working hard to keep more jingle in your jeans. And brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM farm weather, increasing cloudiness today. Wind northwest 40, gusting to 60. The high today, 12 degrees, the low minus 3 with frost. Tomorrow, sunny, increasing cloudiness near noon. Winds up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high, 11. The low, plus 3.
Friday, sunny, the high 14, the low plus 1. Saturday, clearing with a high 11, the low minus 1. Sunday, partly cloudy, the high 16, the low 5. Monday, sunny, the high 19, the low plus 5. Tuesday, sunny, the high near 20. Normal high for this date, 15, the normal low plus 1. Sun rose at 6.58 this morning. It sets at 6.39 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Valmarie again. Today it's 13. The cold spot, Collins Bay again. This time, 4 degrees. Esteban is 12. Saskatoon and Swift Current, 10. Weyburn, 12. Yorkton is 8. Regina, sunny and 11. That's 52 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the north-northwest at 48 gusting to 64. Humidity 50%. The barometer rising 102.4. Sunny and Moose Jaw, 11 degrees. Winds are from the northwest at 44 gusting to 59. Once again, Regina, sunny and 11. That's 52 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems expect the best. There's been an outbreak of Potomac horse fever in Alberta. It happens when horses accidentally ingest snails, slugs, and insects in their food, and it causes an array of intestinal problems, along with depression, painful hooves, and, of course, fever. If it isn't treated, it has a fatality rate of 30%. The good news is that if it's caught early, the success rate is very high. Dr. Ashley Whitehead from the University of Calgary's Faculty of Veterinary Medicine is the senior instructor for Equine Clinical Sciences. She spoke recently with reporter Cheryl Brooks. It's a disease that has been around for quite some time. and Some of the literature actually dates back into the kind of early mid-1900s. With it, we've identified this and it causes, for the most part, it causes diarrhea in horses. As its name says, it has a fever associated with it as well. And it can also cause laminitis, which is a condition of the hoof of the horses, which can be quite painful and fatal as well. So it's from a bacteria is the origin of it. Now, I was reading that they get it from accidentally eating like slugs and things like that. Yeah, so for many years, we thought that there was just one intermediate host, which is an aquatic snail. And a lot of people said, you know, horses aren't out there eating escargot. It's not a (laughs) common thing. And then we actually realized that they may inadvertently eat one of those aquatic snails in, in stuff. But more likely what's happening is that they are passively ingesting some mayflies or caddish flies. So those are their, those aquatic flies. And a lot of times what happens is those flies come to areas where there might be a water source or a hay source, especially if there's a light that's left on at night. They get attracted to it, they die and fall down, and then the horses passively eat those while they're drinking or eating otherwise. So they're not, you know, catching them out of the air by any means. And those insects are the intermediate hosts, which means that it's it's a required species that carries the bacteria before it gets to the horse. So this isn't something that's just free living out in the environment. It has to be in one of those aquatic insects or snails. 
Dr. Whitehead outlines what farmers and other horse owners should be on the lookout for. So usually one of the first thing that they'll see is that the horse just isn't itself. So in veterinary, we would say it's lethargic or depressed for an owner or a farmer. Just looking, the horse isn't eating quite as much. It's not moving around with the herd quite as much or not interacting as much as normally. And that, just like us, when we start to feel sick is kind of the first sign that something's not right. Obviously, by the time we get to diarrhea, then we have serious concerns, but not every case of Potomac horse fever gets diarrhea. And so if they're reluctant to walk around because their feet are sore with that laminitis, they're just not eating, they're not finishing their grain, which they normally would. So finding those subtle signs at the beginning and and keeping an eye on the horses is going to catch it early in the disease. But there are definitely times where we don't see those and all we see is this massive amount of diarrhea and they can lose a significant amount of diarrhea with it. And that leads to really bad dehydration, doesn't it? Exactly. So dehydration, but the other thing is in their in their diarrhea, they're going to be losing electrolytes and they're going to be losing protein as well. And so both of those things can have, along with the dehydration, can have very significant side effects on all of the body function. And those are the ones that end up in the critical care and end up coming into us at the hospital. When they're in the early stages, what advice do you have for, for the owners at that point? Just to keep an eye on them or to to have a vet come out? It's really important that we we have a discussion with the veterinarian at that point because, as I mentioned, it's something that's actually fairly easy to treat. So we have a really good antibiotic that can help to get rid of the bacteria, but it, it does best if we can catch it before we get to having the really bad diarrhea or the laminitis because those two things can cause the horse to die and we could and the the antibiotics, it's basically too late for it. So having a discussion with your veterinarian, if you notice any changes, taking the temperature of the horse to see if there is a fever is also very helpful and useful information to provide to the veterinarian right at the beginning. And then having the discussion on if, if it's warranted to start those antibiotics right away. That's Dr. Ashley Whitehead with the University of Calgary. Um. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. Saskatchewan feeder cattle prices were showing some downward trends this past week. Acting Provincial Cattle Specialist Natasha Wilkie says steers were mainly moving downward. Feeder steer prices were were actually lower in all the reported weight categories last week, and so they declined between you know anywhere from fifty two cents per hundred weight to a dollar ten dollars and thirty seven cents per hundred weight, and we saw the largest price decline in the five hundred to six hundred pound weight category, and they declined by about ten dollars and thirty seven cents per hundred weight to average two hundred nine dollars and eighty three cents per hundred weight. And then the smallest decline was seen in the 600 to 700 pound steer category. And the weekly average steer price across all the reported weight categories was $199.84 per hundred weight in Saskatchewan last week. And if we switch over to the feeder heifer prices, they were mixed um, for the weight categories reported week over week. And the smaller weight categories, we saw their prices increase 
the largest price increase being in the 400 to 500 pound weight category. And they increased by $5.25 per hundred weight to average $208.88 per hundred weight. Then when we went on to the heavier weight categories, they saw price declines. And the largest decline was seen in the 600 to 700 pound heifers. They declined by $5.96 per hundred weight to average $177.75 per hundred weight. And overall, the weekly average heifer price across all the reported weight categories was $188.51 per hundred weight in Saskatchewan. And what were the key factors behind these changes? Well, we've got a few different uh factors, I guess, some positive, some negative. Uh, so we had a lower dollar as of last week, so that was a good thing. Um, the not so great news was that the feeder cattle futures were lower um, after a couple of weeks seeing increases. And then the live cattle futures were pretty much steady, so that's uh, in the middle, I guess. <laughs> uh, they were steady for the nearby contract, but then they decreased a little bit for the further out December contract. Um, another thing to kind of keep our eyes on is see how markets go in the fall as, you know, we haven't had very much rain in Southern Elizabeth province, so uh, it'll be interesting to see if that means people have to get their animals off the gr- off that grass a little bit earlier this year. And what were marketings this past week? So Canfax reported a total of 10,020 head of cattle that were sold in Saskatchewan this week. And that's up from 6,555 last week, the previous week. And then, but it's also more than the 8,818 head marketed during the same week in 2019. What happened with market-ready cattle prices? So we got prices of live non-fed cattle in Alberta, they decreased compared to the previous week. So the price of D2 slaughtered cows decreased $1.48 per hundred weight to average $82.88 per hundred weight. And then the D3 slaughtered cows, they also decreased with prices lowering $1.90 per hundred weight from the previous week to average $72.80 per hundred weight. And if we look at the price for average fed prices for Alberta fed steers, they were reported at a $134.50 per hundred weight, which is up a little bit by 25 cents per hundred weight. Natasha Wilkie compiles the weekly cattle market report for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. Eat. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall as Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices were showing some upward movement in early trading this morning at Viterra. Canola rose $2.30 at $460.87 per metric ton. Number one red spring wheat gained $15, a big jump at $232.72. The rest were unchanged. Durham, $268.22. Feed barley, $183.70. Flax, $579.06. Lentils, $595.50. Oats, $173.53. Yellow peas 255.89 and feed wheat 166.16. Minneapolis spring wheat December futures gained nine and a half cents at 5.34 a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the Source 620 CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now the latest quotations. This is Jordan with the Cinnaboyle Livestock Auction Market Report. We had a regular sale last week. It was an all-ready run of cows and bulls, and prices seemed to be down a couple cents. 
Heifer Ranch sold from 109 to 132. D1 to D2 sold from 81 to 90 cents. D3 sold from 64 to 75 cents. And Slaughter Bulls sold from 109 to 117. Make sure you call ahead to book your animals for our upcoming sales at 642-5358. Now the latest pork prices. Ham sold 7,200 hogs Tuesday. Selling in a range of 178 to 209 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 6,000 head. Selling in a range of 181 to 208 per CKG. Ham's number one sows this week are selling in the range of 18 to 23 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is mixed and four contract prices opened higher this morning. On Tuesday, the Canadian dollar is down seven basis points with the daily exchange rate at 1.3391. Coming up, the resource report. Um. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Olympic Buildings. See them for ag buildings, riding arenas, hay barns, and more. Build with confidence. Olympic-buildings.ca. TC Energy says it has signed a Memorandum of Understanding with Canadian Indigenous Communities that will allow them to get ownership interest in the Keystone XL Pipeline Project. The Calgary-based company says the deal was signed with Natural Law Energy, which represents four First Nations in Alberta and one in Saskatchewan. It says a final agreement between TC Energy and Natural Law is expected to be completed in the fourth quarter of 2020. Keystone XL President Richard Pryor says the agreement is the first of its kind for TC Energy. Stats Canada says economic growth slowed to 3% in July from 6.5% in June. That met the agency's preliminary estimate and the expectations of economists. Stats Can says growth likely continued in August, but at a slower pace of 1%. CIBC Chief Economist Avery Schenfeld says the slowing GDP growth coupled with rising cases of COVID-19 suggests Canada may be in store for smaller gains in coming months. The U.S. economy plunged at a record rate in the spring, but is expected to break a record for an increase in the just-ending third quarter. The U.S. Commerce Department's final look at the second quarter shows gross domestic product fell at a rate of 31.4 percent, almost four times larger than the previous record. But economists believe the economy will expand at an annual rate of 30 percent in the current July to September quarter as businesses have reopened and millions of people have gone back to work. On the markets, Canada's main stock index was little changed in late morning trading, while U.S. stock markets surged higher and the loonie rose. The TSX Composite Index was up one point at 16,212. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 413 points at 27,866. The Canadian dollar traded at 75.03 cents U.S. compared with 74.68 cents Tuesday. The November crude oil contract was up 37 cents at 39.66 a barrel. That's the Resource Report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at 1.45 this afternoon and an Agri-News report at 3.45 p.m. Tomorrow morning, there's another Agri-News report at 6.45 a.m. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good burr. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM.